Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. The early Christians, as they would meet each other in the street, they would say Maranatha because the coming of the Lord was in their mind. Uh, Jesus had said when he left, I'll be, be back. And they looked for him. They wanted him to come. And somehow over the years, that has kind of dwindled. It's almost instead of being pilgrims, we've become settlers in this world. We've taken on the theology of the world that says, this is all there is. Get the most of it. Because if you don't, you're just going to die, and that's going to be it. But you and I know that's not the truth, right? In the poem, Maud Muller, by John Whittier, he pens these words. For all sad words of tongue and pen, the saddest words are these. It might have been. Do you have those it might have been moments as you reflect on your life. I don't know about you, but when I begin to reflect what might have been, what could have been, there's a sadness in my heart because I see that it was a, a missed opportunity that's not going to come my way again. And when I hear the words Maranatha, when I read Scripture and know that any day, Jesus Christ can burst that eastern sky. God can shout across heaven, it's finished, and it'll be over. I think I told you, I drive over for Lake County. And sometimes on a cloudy, dark morning, sometimes before I get into the land, when it's out in the woods where I can see, I can just see a giant flame coming up in the sky. And I wonder... Am I going to float out this Jeep <laughs> or am I going to make it to Daytona? And then for me, it's okay. Paul said for him to live is Christ and to die is gain. And it is. But can I tell you my heart? When I see people that don't know Christ, it takes some of the glitter for me. All for my escape from this world. Because I know what's waiting for them. Eternal separation from God. And if you want to know what the darkness of hell is, it's the absence of God. In hell, it's dark. In heaven, we don't even have a sun in the sky because God is our light. I see Christians throwing their life away, being led astray. And it's like, do you believe he's coming back? Are you ready for his return? Too many people in offhanded ways say, well, Paul said in 1 Corinthians, at judgment, all of my works may be burned up, but I can get in with my shirt tail singed. I don't want to stand before the Savior. That took the punishment that he did. The love that caused him to lay aside all of his royalty. And come to earth and be born of a woman just like you and I. 
to have the same suffering, same temptations. And then finally to be beaten beyond recognition, nailed to a cross, have a spear in his side, nails in his hands and feet, and die. But before he died, he said, it's finished. The work of redemption is finished. And to prove it, they put him in a barred grave. And three days later, they rolled us the stone that many men had to put in place was rolled away. Not to let him out, <laughs> but to reveal an empty tomb. Amen? Amen. That's the gist of Third Peter. Uh, third chapter of Second Peter. The first chapter or first book he wrote, he began to remind us of certain things that as we have our pilgrimage in this world, we need to remember, hold on to because of the strength of our life. And this third chapter he's talked about, or this second book, he's talked about the, the wheat, the tares, and the harvest. Chapter three is that harvest. Now I hope you got your Bibles out your iPhone or iPad, wherever you find scriptures. I encourage you to bring them every week. And more so than this week because I didn't put the words on the, on the screen for one good reason. I got so excited putting the rest of my message together, I forgot to give them to Mike. So it's not his fault. It's all, all on me. But that's why you need your Bible. Hear the words of Peter. Dear friends, this is my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. How much do we need to be stimulated to wholesome thinking in a negative, sinful world in which we live? My question is, who are you stimulating? Who are you asking to come Who are you bringing with you? Do you realize that 85% of the people who come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ do so because someone first invited them, come with me. It's kind of like the disciples said, come and see, come and hear, come and be stimulated. He said, why? Because scoff, because I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. You don't come to hear myself or Joe or Cord. I hope you don't. I hope you come to hear the exposition of the Word of God because this is what Peter's talking about. And he said, above all, you must understand, and in the last days where we are, scoffers will come Scoffing. And to me, that was a humorous. Scoffers do what they are. They scoff. Liars do what they are. They lie. Gossipers do what they do. They gossip. All kind of words, all kind of things come out of our mouth. And we have to decide through our disobedience. And maybe the word said... Are we scoffing and not believing that Jesus will hold us account? You got to wonder because we need to guard our words. Do you realize words have an effect? Forgiveness can come from someone, but they'll never forget the sting of those words. So are we scoffing? Are we believing? Are we speaking up? Are we speaking down? 
Peter said in the last days, scoffers are going to come and they're coming for one reason, to get your mind off the return of Christ. And they follow their own evil devices. They say this, where's his, this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestor died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Everything just keeps going on and going on and going on. For that reason, there, there's no return of God. But he said they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water by water. By these waters also... Same words. The world at that time was deluged and destroyed. God spoke the world into existence. God brought the flood and wiped the earth out by that same word. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. They're just simply saying even the process. By the word of God, he created By the word of God, he destroyed one time. By the word of God, this earth created by God, God will bring the judgment. But do not forget this one thing. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. I was thinking about this is like 2,000 years. Jesus has been in heaven two days, if you want to count time. So God doesn't have a watch. There's not even any time in heaven because eternity stretches beyond our imagination. It just goes on. And we're rejuvenated in worship. We don't need sleep. We don't. Heaven is a wonderful, wonderful place for you and I. The Lord's not slow in keeping a promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Here's the word of the Lord. He's patient because of those who don't know Christ. He doesn't want to destroy a life, a life that Jesus paid a price for. That's why we wonder if he's coming back. But he is. And we're going to see some illustrations in a minute. Why it's important for you and I here today. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief. Listen, in 1984, I believe it was, I was called to go over to a church in New Smyrna Beach on the beach side and preach. And on that day, someone had made a prediction that Christ was coming back on that day in 1984. I crossed the bridge, and there were hundreds of people on the bridge fishing. Traffic was heavy. And I commented to my wife, doesn't look like they think he's coming back today. That's a problem when we can live our life numb in that way. It's a problem when people we love and people we see are living that life, scoffing, unbelieving. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what, this is a rhetorical question. What kind of people ought you to be? Well, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day and 
speed its coming. What does that mean, speed that coming? Jesus said the word of God will be preached. Get your mind off of the picture on a globe of continents. He said preach to every language group in the world. Every poem will hear the gospel. And then Jesus said, then the end will come. But he didn't know when because only the Father knows. That day will bring about destructions of the heaven by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promises, we are looking toward a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So, dear friends, since we are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless. Spotless and blameless simply means that there is no known sin in your life for which you have not reached God and asked him to forgive you and cleanse you. And the result of spotlessness and blameless is that word peace. Being at peace with God. Think about living a life at peace with God in the tumultuous world that we are living in. You know, we had thousands and thousands of kids there last night if you weren't here. I mean, you could ride by and get a sugar high out there on the the road in front of the church. And this morning I pick up the newspaper and others use that as a reason to kill people. In one area, 14 kids were shot in a drive-by shooting. But you can live at peace with this world. You're not liking what's going on. But you know that when God's fed up, we're going to meet him face to face. And everything else is going away. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul wrote you with wisdom that God gave him, he writes the same way in all of his letters, speaking to them these matters. His letters concern some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do other scriptures, to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends... Since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory now and forever. Hear the word of the Lord. This is basically talking about history. When Peter said the holy commands of our Lord, the holy scriptures. We're living in a cancel culture. Children that are going to school are reading revisionary history as if you can change what went on. I I had a hard time understanding how somebody could cancel me. They're just, you're canceled. And I, really? I feel okay. I looked in the mirror and I'm still there. But that person said, I've just canceled you. What that mean? They're not listening. That's what the world is saying. And, and so much of the pressure. Listen, there's pressure in life. But God has equipped us to withstand the pressure and become victorious. I was kind of uh, interested. How many people believe in the return of the Lord? So I Googled it and got all kind of answers. But from the one place, probably the most uh, 
one that you can trust, said this, and they put a date. How many believe the Lord will come back by 2050? And only 27% of the people said, I believe that he could. Not that he will, but he could. Now, I looked at that. Now, I know they said 2050. But if we are to live a Maranatha life, Lord, come quickly, realizing he'll come like a thief. We won't know it. No predictions. 27% believed he could come by 2050. I wonder how many believe he's coming back at all. Remember the poem? It might have been. One problem is this. I get this. 60% of Christians aged 18 to 39 believe that Jesus is the only way of salvation. Did you hear that? 60% believe there's another way to come to Christ. No wonder no one's so few people are looking for his return. Because if they think there's another way, and the way that they're on is okay, they can misbelieve every other scripture. But you see, a life well prepared. In other words, you can live life when you're prepared to die. But if you live in fear of death, you don't live. It is a prisoner that we're put in. References to Christ's return is in every book of the Bible with the exception of two. Philemon, which Paul wrote, and Third John, which John the Revelator wrote. On the Mount of Olives, his disciples were interested. And so they came to him privately and they asked him this question. It's in Matthew 24, 2 through 3. Do you see all these things? What he's talking about in the previous verses, they were discussing the temple. It's beauty, it's splendor. And Jesus said, do you see all these things, he asked? I tell you the truth, not one stone will be left on another. Everyone will be torn down. And Jesus was sitting on the Mount of the Olives. Disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming? And of the end of the age. Three questions his disciples. When you read 24 and 25, the chapters of Matthew, you'll see Jesus' explanation. And in chapter 25, you'll see three parables. There's the parables of the ten virgins. There is the parable of the bag of gold. This is differentiated from the parable of the talents. And this parable of the sheep and the goat. The parable of the ten uh, virgins, the lesson there is being ready in waiting. Simply, we're waiting on the Lord and we're waiting for his reward. That is what we're looking for. The, the sheep and the goats is a parable of about the end times, the judgment of Christ. When you look at the one we're looking to in Matthew 25, it talks about the readiness in working. Let's bring that scripture up, Mike. Therefore, my brothers, be all the diligent to make eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do this, these things you will never fail. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
He said, if you do these things, you'll be ready. And Matthew 25 talks about being ready. The parable begins, and it, again, it's like a man going on a journey, which illustrates Jesus coming, fulfilling, and going on a journey. He had called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, and to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Don't let that slip by you. In your Bible, underline that. Because we will be only accountable for ourselves. You can't be accountable for anybody else. So according to our abilities, that's what he gives. So he went on his journey. The man who had received five talents went out once and put his money to work and gained five more. Also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received one talent went out, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of these servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents brought the other five. The master, he said, you entrusted me with five. See, I have gained five more. The master replied, well done. Good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man who had two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. And I've gained two more. Do it. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I will get, put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I know that you're a hard man. Harvesting where you did not sow. Gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your money in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you, your one talent. The master said, you lazy, wicked servant. See, so you know that I harvest where I have not sown and I gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banks. So that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have in abundance. But whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There are many ways you can look at that, and we're not going to go line by line. But it points to our responsibility for what we have. We're not responsible for what we do not know and have not gained access and has not been given. When I look at that third man, it's if what he had was basically the way of his master. You might say it's the way, the truth of Scripture that was given to him. He maybe only had one. Others had five. Another had two. He had one. He had been given what he needed to please his master. What we've been given by our master is the message of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's what we're going to be responsible for. When we stand in judgment, you will be standing in judgment with what you have been given, 
how you have used it, and that's it. Pastors, we're going to stand in judgment for ourselves, but we're going to stand in judgment on the people that we serve. Have we proclaimed the unshakable truth of the gospel of Christ? That's why some people don't like messages. They, they don't want to hear it. But God has said to us, preach it, because that's what we do. We obey God. There's four things pointed out in this parable. It is the responsibility that we have. Again, when you, you live in a world, they're trying to move away from anyone having any responsibility for anything. When somebody commits a crime, no, not, I mean, it doesn't matter how bad it is. Maybe his mother withheld the chocolate chip cookies that he liked. And so this just kind of warped his mind, and he went out and killed 10 people. It's not his fault. It's his mother's fault. She knew. But you see, when we hear the gospel, and we don't preach the gospel in order that we put you in jeopardy, we preach the gospel in order that you might be set free. Because Jesus is coming back. And you're going to need that knowledge. It may be the one talent. I think about the, the uh, second thief on the cross. They're hanging there. They're dying. They're not going to get off that cross and go live for Jesus. One scoffs at him and says, if you're the son of God, save us. He's still thinking about himself. The other one just simply turned and said, Lord... Remember me today when you enter paradise. He had enough knowledge to realize Christ was going to rise again. And Jesus said, well done. Today you will be with me in heaven. We are responsible for what we have. We're also responsible for the reaction that we have. Do we look at scripture and pick and choose what we're going to believe? Think about it for a minute. Listen, I... I, I get convicted myself all the time. Am I trying to fit scripture to fit my life? Or am I trusting the scripture to mold my life? How do we respond to what we hear? I hope today, either here or online, people know God has spoken to them. They know they need Jesus in their life. But they're continually putting it off for another day. People are continually rejecting the message, believing there'll be another day, but we don't know. How do you respond to the teachings of Christ that are based in his love for you and how he wants you to have a life, not just a mundane life, but a life full of the abundance, equipped for every tragedy, Every trial, every black cloud in your life, the Word of God equips us to face those with peace, knowing Jesus is with us. We're responsible for our reaction. Listen, we're responsible for the reckoning we're going to face. Their scoffers are going to stand before God. And the Bible says every knee will bow and confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And when that, is that going to happen? When that, they stand before the judgment seat of the sheep and the goats. Those that know Christ, those that have rejected him. At that moment, 
They're going to bow. They're going to bow the knee and truly believe that Jesus is Lord. But then Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. No one who has ever lived will escape their responsibility of confessing Christ as Lord. And it will either come now that will bring blessings and honor and glory to God and to yourself. Or it's going to come when we have judgment. But I want to tell you, friends, I don't know when he's coming. I don't make predictions. Listen, the end time studies have almost become a cult. We can put a sign out there where Tomoka is and say, come tonight, end time prophecies. And there'll be people all over this building. Because they want, I'm trying to figure out, are they wanting to make sure it's going to be coming later? Are they wanting to have a warning before it comes? Or, or what is the deal? Because simply the, the only thing Revelation really tells us is this. Jesus is coming back. Be ready. There you go. That's the commentary on the book of Revelation. But yet, it's almost a cult following some of these people that make prophecy they're living. Not only that, we're going to be responsible for the reward we Game. I've heard people talking about my big mansion. In the King James when it says my house, father's house or many mansions. That room that that is actually room. So I don't know what you visualize your room as. Is it a ten thousand square foot room? Is it a tiny house? I don't know how you envision that. But you see, that's that's saying Jesus is saying to people, there's room. No one that knows Christ will be turned away. That's, that's the story. That's the illustration. We at that time will receive the greatest reward in life. A lot of people think they're going to have a trophy room. And in that trophy room is going to be crown after crown after crown. Because we're talking about crowns. We don't understand what that fully means. But I know this. We're also told that when we receive, we'll go back and lay at the feet of Jesus. Because anything we have done, anything we have accomplished, the life that we have lived in this earth preparing for his return, it is because Jesus, not ourselves. That is the wonderful part of the good news of Jesus Christ. We are equipped. Listen, I don't know. I know enough about uh, technology to get my television on and turn to Roku. Okay? That's it. And when my Wi-Fi goes out, I'm lost. I have a hard time getting it back. I'll call somebody on the phone. They'll say, well, all you got to do is this. Well, to me, it's not all I got to do. I just don't know that stuff. Here's the thing. We'll be known. We know. Jesus is equipping Jesus is saying this world is going to be hard. But guys, I'm going to give you armor to fight Satan. I'm going to fortify you with my presence. I'm going to grant you peace and the greatest conflicts in the world. I'm going to provide your every need. Just follow me. Obey me and look for my return. I repeat this morning the question Peter asked. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, 
what kind of people ought you to be. You ought to live holy and godly lives and look forward to the day of judgment and speed its recovery, its coming. How do we speed it again? Your invitation to someone to come Tuesday and hear the gospel and they come to Christ might be speeding the return of the Lord up. But remember, while we wait in hope, there's others that are not even smart enough and aware enough to be afraid. Death is a door. It's not a chamber. It's a door from this life to the next life. And we meet Jesus face to face. I have a friend named Derek Mobley. God has given him a unique gift. I met Derek. I worked with him 30 years ago. Led him to the Lord. Since then, Derek and I have walked life together. I've been with him when he was in the hospital. We talk every week. He had called this week to find out when I'm leaving. I'm going to be praying for you. I always try to call him from another country because it tickles him. He said, I never know where I'm going to get a call from you. He's a good man. He's an elder in this church. God's given him the ability to write. Derek is a black man. And he was raised in the hood. But his mother raised him with this word, these words. You may live in the hood, but you ain't going to be no hood. She was a godly woman. She guided him in life. Here's what Derek wrote He wrote something called The End Game. A close friend once asked me a question. He said, what if I die? I thought to myself, that's a given. I said, let's not be too concerned about the end of our lives. Let's rejoice and pray in the living. Because if we're living a life that is apart from God, my brother, you are already dead. And because of what we're doing right now makes us worry About what's ahead. So know that there is a God of hope who fought death and won. There's a God of hope who said it's finished and it's done. A father who has prepared us by the life and death of his only son. So the question is not what if. The question's when. And while we're alive, did we get close to him? Because if you do, you know this. There is hope in every day, which is sealed by a holy kiss. Yeah, the end game is given. Therefore, we should enjoy the living. The end game will take care of itself. Well, one thing for sure, when it's time to go, it's not because of our spiritual health. Because all will die. And when that time comes, I want to have a smile on my face. And because of my acquaintance with the Lord, I can say I made it safe from a world that said the end is in sight because I met the Lord who gave me hope. Yes, the Lord who gave me life. If you want to hear more of his stuff, go to YouTube and put in Derek Mobley. He is ministering to a community that will never walk in a church door without the grace of God. But he speaks the language. And it's all based. I love this end game. Guys, we're all in the end game. I don't care how young you are or how old you are. We're in the end game. 
We're in the last days. It's time when we pray our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. We're to gather who God is awakening. That, my friends, will speed the return of our Lord. This morning, do you know Jesus Christ personally? You got your end game ready? You're just enjoying life? Have you walked away from the Lord? Have you used the excuse of being the nation being shut down to just stay home? You know, judgment is going to be judgment. Things that we've hidden, God knows. Today is the day of salvation. If you're online and you know that you need Jesus, hit that I have decide button and Pastor John will be in touch with you. And speak to you and pray with you. If you're here today, I'll be right over here. I walk through the halls. Stop me. I want to talk to you. If you need prayer, we're open for prayer. Maybe this is a time to just say, you know, I'm going to suit up, get back in the game, and look for the return of my Lord. Father, today, this is your word. You said you would bless your word. And your word would accomplish what it was sent out to accomplish. And so today, I simply claim that promise. In Jesus' name, amen.